And I go in and out. I go in and out of like, oh my God, I'm, I'm about to die because I'm overly like excited and scared and my adrenaline is way through the roof. And then I'm like, chill. Okay, I'm chill. Everything's good. So I go through this emo- like battle with my emotions and adrenaline and it's almost like going to war. It's like, you know, you're going to get hit like throughout the race a lot around each movie you're going to get, you're either going to do the beating or you're going to get the beating. And most of the time it's both. So you're kind of going to war. It's almost like a fight and it's, it's gnarly. I've been held that last year I got held under at Yokohama and that was the worst. Hopefully that's the worst that ever happens to me. And I remember I got held under for 15 seconds, which is, I, I was That's like going thing. out and I was like in the middle of the pack to the first buoy. And I was like, I knew I was in a good position because I looked around and I was like next to Mola and a couple other good guys. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in a good position. And I get dunked and I'm shot out way out the back, like a 10 meter gap behind the last guy. And I look up and I'm, and I was just so, it just rung my bell. I was so freaked out and came up and was just like, I got to go. But at the same time, I was like, I thought I was going to die in those 15 seconds. It was like the same as getting uh, a two-wave hold down surfing. Just total ragdoll, except your heart rate is, is 180. That was Matt McElroy, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. The YTP is sponsored by Health IQ, a life insurance agency that rewards people who make health their priority. We're in the process of qualifying right now, and I've been working with the same guy since my first contact. His name is Jeremy, and he's like a totally cool dude. He's just like us. He's active, he's healthy, and he believes in what he's doing. It's not a bland process, and I feel like I've developed a friendship with this guy. I highly recommend checking it out. It's a great way to save. It's a great way to support the show. So go to healthiq.com forward slash YTP to see if you qualify and make sure to mention YTP when talking to your agent. Welcome to episode 93. I'm Jess, your host, and this podcast is a limb of its mothership, Yogi Triathlete Holistic Performance, which is the combined love child of myself and my co-host and sole partner, BJ. It is the result of us following our passion to fill the gap in athleticism and make body-mind training the seamless powerhouse that our best performances require. The mental game is where it's at, and our athletes are taking theirs to the next level. Our team is growing. We have signed up a ton of new sponsors that are offering incredible discounts to our athletes, and the tribe is tightening its bond through our private Facebook group. Coach BJ has been doing an incredible job at keeping the team, me included, in the direction of our best selves. Monthly challenges, weekly lives where he's dropping the major wisdom training bombs, plus strength and yoga classes. It's so cool to see the team grow and the quality of athletes just fills my heart. And I'm not just talking about their speed, you guys. I'm talking about their willingness to go further with their minds than they ever imagined and living out the high vibe life in a way that is positively affecting their relationship with sport and life. So if you're thinking about it, I say do it now. We're on the other end of that email waiting to welcome you in. We also have the official Yogi Triathlete gear store open for everyone. Try suits, kits, running and cycling gear. Check it out. First round of orders go in this week. Check out the show notes for the links. There's some serious greatness happening within the Yogi Triathlete team and for certain on this podcast today. 
Matt McElroy races relentlessly on the ITU circuit. He is confident in his abilities, and although still new to the fight, he is ready to lay it down this year, make a statement to use his words exactly, and I'm loving every bit of his belief in himself. He has a beginner's mindset. He's open to learning, and he's curious about knowing what he is missing. He wants to be the best, and he knows that weaknesses are there to become strengths. In other words, he's receptive, and this is huge to his excellence. These are the qualities that it takes to be the best, and they go hand in hand with the ability to be present. We talk about his future in triathlon. He reveals his dreams and visions, but immediately he'll bring it right back to the moment at hand. He knows that he can hold his vision, but the ingredients to making them reality comes in the moment of now. Over the course of almost two years, we've interviewed the best of the best in triathlon, from top age groupers and YTP favorite Troy RGC to world-class coaches like Siri Lindley and Olympians like Ben Canute. We find that each and every elite athlete has this unshakable ability to be fully present. This is the essence. It's a full-on validation to what we're doing here at Yogi Triathlete. And if we are anything right? If we are anything but 100% present, we are literally half-assing the moment. The present moment is the only time that we are fully available. All of our strength, all of our focus, all of our talent, all of our intelligence, all of us, that's it. Nowhere else are we fully our best than in the present moment. And at the tippity top, like where our guest today competes, there is no substitute for presence. Matt is a SoCal boy. Growing up in Huntington Beach, he would bookend his days with morning surf class and running cross country after school. His love and talent for running gifted him a full ride to college, which led him to a life transformative realization and detachment from the sport that he loved so much. Having been a surfer since the age of five and part of junior lifeguards, Matt was already comfortable in the water. And after hearing about the USAT recruitment program from his friend, he hopped on the bike and got to work. He shares in detail his progression in the pool under the guidance of his current coach, Paulo Souza, from being challenged to complete a 100 on a two-minute send-off to swimming with the best in the world. Matt knows how to show up for his training and do what it takes. Something tells me, and I think you'll agree after listening to this episode, that the best is nothing less than what he has planned for his triathlon career, and we know he's going to continue to lay it down, especially now that he is rocking a plant-based diet. He talks to us about his transition and what he has found as an effective way to spread the vegan message. BJ and I are really pumped to share this episode with you and equally as fired up to send Matt only the highest of vibes for an extremely successful career in sport. So without further ado, I give you one of the best in our sport, the confident yet not cocky, beginner's mindset master and quintessential SoCal surfer native, Matt McElroy. Just, I'm still new, you know? I'm so new to the sport. A lot of these guys have been there for a few years, so I'm just, I'm just showing up. I've just arrived and I'm about to make a statement this year. I like that. So, that is a good positive mental attitude right yeah, there. I'm just, you, I'm hey, confident. Like, it's it's gonna happen. So. And you know all about PMA because you read Meters for Pussies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best book title ever. Right. I would have used it if it wasn't already taken. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get, like, let's back up the truck. How'd you get into this whole thing? Cause, but before you got into triathlon, you were way into the water. Yeah. I grew up surfing in Huntington Beach, California, and I started surfing. The first time I went surfing was in La Jolla, 
on a little trip with my family, and I was five years old. I have a cool little picture of a, a foam board, and ever since then, my, my dad grew up surfing. All his brothers were surfers, so it was kind of in the family, and I had to do it, but I really fell in love with it uh, when I was five, and from then on, I competed at the age of 10 to 18. I competed um, for at, in the NSSA, which is, like, really cool. It's a bunch of groms, which... You know, Groms are young, excited surfers, for those who don't know. And you have your age division, and you go out in these heats, and you try to make the final, and eventually you get, like, season points. And I competed in that series for about 10 years up until high school. Um, And I was on the high school surf team. Um, So from a young age, I was in the water. I was doing junior lifeguards. But I never knew how to properly swim. So I wasn't, I didn't have some swim coach. Um, and I wasn't the best at pool swimming, but I could go around buoys and I could swim through big surf and I knew how to handle myself in an open ocean. Which is super key. Like it's that mental aspect, right? In the ocean. That's, I think that's where most people have the fear. It's like I can do the pool swimming, but when I get into the ocean, it's a little bit different because I can't see the black line. But it seems like you had been in the water since such a young age, the ocean. It seems like it was just natural for you to to navigate around. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I just, I love the water. I love surfing. And any opportunity I have to go surfing, I I almost take it to the level of like triathlon. When the season's over, I'm surfing anywhere from six to eight hours because I'm that passionate. And I'm just like, I'm such an active person. If I'm not working out six to eight hours a day, then I'd be surfing six to eight hours a day. And everyone in my life knows that, my family and friends. They all want to be a part of this, and and they're all active. So, I love that you had a surf team at your high school. That's yeah. How about this? Very Southern California. Yeah, right? How about this? Uh, in high school, I had 6 a.m. surf class every morning all through high school. Surf class. Oh, I got graded based on my attendance. Not how well you surfed, but attendance. And I have a feeling you were there every day. I was there every day at 6 a.m. So <laughs> I, would, I would go and I would surf and then I would run in the afternoon and go to cross country and track practice. So I was already doing two sports and then going to school and then trying to balance everything and have a social life. And there's things I missed in high school and there's things I still miss to this day because of athletics. But at the end of the day, I, you know, it's all worth it. I love that you said that, you know, we, from the moment we wake up in the morning until we go to bed, it's like, it's, it's like full on yogi triathlete life. So whether we're working with our athletes or I'm developing new recipes or we're out training or teaching yoga or whatever it is, I mean, it's full or meditating. It's like full on from 4.30 in the morning until like 9, 9.30, sometimes late 10. But we always say like, there's nothing else, there's nothing, I don't want to be down the street at the Coyote Cafe, like listening to some 80s rock band. Like I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go out to happy hour. I don't want to, I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything because what I'm doing, I love so much. So like Saturday night at seven o'clock, we'll have the TRX out and, you know, like playing some episodes of The Office. Like we just got done with a plank challenge. I mean, it's just fun. You know, I love, I love that we have found what fills us up, you know? And I know you get that. Like, you've yeah. found what fills you up. Yeah, I think it's just the culture of, like, America or 
maybe the West Coast, you know, that we need to go out and party on, you know, Friday and Saturday night. And don't get me wrong, I've, you know, I went to college and had my fun, but it's just, yeah, living that active lifestyle, surrounding yourself with positive people who want to be active and promote that sort of energy. It's awesome. Yeah. And believe me, I've done fair share of partying. <laughs> fair share. I think actually I was, what were, I was, um, Party, in our, we used yeah. to have a group of friends. I don't know, should I say this on the we'll podcast? Yeah. We were called uh, like the wasties, uh, the wasties, wasty nation, the, the wasty nation. Like it was an entire, and this was like all of our friends We were probably, how old are you? 25. Yeah, it was like 25. We had this nation of friends. We called ourselves the Wasty Nation. And I was like head party girl. But anyway, uh, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> now I just drink cacao and I podcast and I play on Saturday night. That's what I thought filled me up back then, but it doesn't anymore. So I'm glad to, uh, to be living, you know, my purpose. And that's what this show is all about. It's like finding people who are looking, finding, and living their purpose. And how do we know it's our purpose? I think it's because we know because it fills us up, you know, and there's, no, there's nothing that we'd rather do. So for you, it's like moving your body. Yeah. And you've always done that. When you were five years old and you went and you surfed, like, do you have a, like a, a memory of that? Like, do you yeah. actually remember that? Yeah, I do. Uh, we stayed at the, yeah, we stayed at the uh, La Jolla Beach and Tennis Club I know every year. Yeah. And my family and another family, the Morgan family would stay there. And my dad just, every year we'd go there from when I was like three. And finally my dad brought out the surfboard, was pushing me into waves and it, yeah, it was surreal. It was one of those moments where it was just like, this is what I was like, this is what I love to do. This is what I'm passionate about. And a lot of the times, like my friends are so into surfing. That's all they do. And then I have like this triathlon group that I train with who are almost my coworkers, but I get along with most of them. And when it comes to my friends at home, I can relate so much to them and the feeling that they get when they surf. But I think the only thing that comes close to like, surfing and the high that you get when the waves are good is like winning a race those that's the only thing that compares maybe not winning but having a good race and you don't need to win every race to have a great feeling but knowing that you killed it today and getting that high is equivalent to having one of those surf sessions with all your buddies where it's just like magical out that's the only comparison i can think of (laughs) and you are a collegiate cross country yeah so as I was running cross country and track in, in high school and surfing, um, I was one of the top runners in the state. I got second at the California state meet in high school and cross country and went on to run foot locker at Balboa park, okay. which was awesome. Cause it's right down the street from where I live, obviously. Um, and I, I got second at the national championships at foot locker, which was a big deal. And I got second to triathlete Lucas Frisbeckis. Uh, which is funny because I'm now in the sport doing it professionally. And he was the prodigy boy of, of triathlon. Uh, and I got second there. I was the top recruit in the nation and I could go wherever I wanted. I got a full ride to whatever school and ended up in the most random place ever. I, I, I ended up in Stillwater, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Whoa. Just completely. The Cowboys? The Cowboys. Yeah, so okay. you, you take a kid... <laughs> who grows up going to the beach 365 days of the year. And then you put them in the Midwest. And I don't know what I was thinking. How I, did that I work? was so attracted to the national titles that they had. They had two national championships. Every guy there was running pro post collegiately. 
and I wanted to be a pro runner. That was like my only goal. But I think I stopped thinking about, you know, what it looked like on paper versus the reality of living in like the Midwest and living in this small college town where I am like, you know, a a long ways from the beach. I was really (laughs) suffering for two years until I transferred to Northern Arizona. I was super depressed, had Mm. mono and just, it wasn't a good time. So, so back in, I just want to back up to when you became, when you came second in that race, did you expect was it, did you expect to finish second or did you expect to finish the top of your, um, of that race or were you just like, I'm just going to go hard as I can? Like, what was, what was your mindset? Are you talking that? about the Belbo Park? Yeah. The yeah. Foot Locker. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. what is the mindset you have? Cause we talked a little yeah. bit about it before the show and I just want to like see where that was coming from. So my coach in high school told me there's this guy, Lucas, he's the best runner in high school history and you probably won't beat him. He told me this. Your like, coach. Yeah. And he would, he told me you'd, he would have to have a really bad day and you'd have to have the best day of your life. And that's when I started triathlon training a little bit and thought like the only way I could beat this kid was to swim and bike like he, like him. So I started swimming, not properly swimming, just like swimming laps with my head up probably, you know? Um, and I started biking on the weekend, got a bike, uh, from our neighbor and, uh, went out there and thought if I have the best day, I'll get second. So in my mind, I won. Like it was, I was so amped to be second in the U S for cross country in high school. That was like the pinnacle of my career as a high school runner so far as a runner in high school, (laughs) maybe not as a runner, but in high school, that was just, and then I ended up getting injured after that, but all right, so going back to Oklahoma State, because it's really hard. I grew up in Cape Cod, so and BJ grew up by the ocean, too, in Massachusetts. And it's really hard to be landlocked. So we lived in Boulder for a while, which, if you're going to be landlocked, that's kind of a cool place to do it. Like, I, I, was, I could handle it, but I still had, like, a hole in my heart. So when you're there in Oklahoma, in the Midwest, and it's funny, because every runner we've talked to like our ultra runners like our runners that we found they're, they're always going to school out in like kansas nebraska they have good running programs out yeah there. yeah it's, they do it's solid it's kind of that blue collar mentality in the midwest like there's extreme weather and you have to deal with it you have to go outside and run in the freezing cold or wind and you have to make it work or the heat mm-hmm. yeah huh. uh so obviously i mean you were there for two years and you were pushing through some tough times. What, like, what was the point where you were like, I can't do this anymore? Because it sounded like even your health was suffering. Yeah. I think when I realized happiness was more important than running itself, and that, that was hard. That was like identity crisis, like thinking I have to, I don't really care if, if I ever run again. I just need to get home. I need to like be with my friends. I need to be with my family. And I need to be by the beach. Uh, and it's funny that I went to northern Arizona because that's not very close to the beach. But I'll get to that later. The point was like I, I just gave up on being so alone those, those two years. And I felt like I had changed a lot uh, in that process. And I learned a lot about myself that – I need to be an envi- an environment that I believe in that has that serves my you know my purpose as a human and it wasn't there. And I think that you can find the environment that's going to serve you and the one that's also going to bring you joy. 
Like, I, I think that that's possible for everyone. So if like somebody's sitting in a job right now that like, they, you know, maybe they love their coworkers, but they hate the job. Like they, you can't, I think you can find that balance. You can find the things that you just got to look and you got to be brave and you got to be like, you had to disidentify yourself as a runner. And I, I, you know, if both BJ and I have been through that as well, like identifying so much with your sport and then either it's taken away by injury and you have to be like, holy crap, I had no idea I was so attached to it. Or it's like, you have to choose and you, cho- and you chose like a, a life defining choice, which was like, I'll give up running if it means I can just be joyful again. Yeah. And my parents at the time were bugging me so much and they were so mad at me because I gave up a full scholarship. And not many people get full scholarships to go to college, free education. They didn't have the money to put me into college. So I was almost threatened with this. And they were so hard on me that I didn't even care. I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'll go to community college, whatever. I just need to be happy right now. I need to be at home. Yeah. I think that was like, that was a big gift. Even though, and you you might agree with me, like Mm -hmm. that that was a gift. Like sometimes the biggest the things that we look back on in our life and we say, oh my God, I can't believe that happened to me. Those times in my life, I look back and I say, God, it was like the best thing that ever happened to me because of the, what comes out the other side. Sometimes not in the moment though. Not, sometimes in the moment, you're, you're just like, I can't believe this is happening to me. I, I need to make a decision. I need to get out of here. And it's not until years later that you can reflect on it and see the, the benefits of it yeah at least. like i'm thinking about the like when i had west nile virus right. and they were like we don't know if you're gonna die you're probably gonna be paralyzed blah 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 and i was just like what like i'm 30 i just got married like what, are you kidding me it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it opened up this entire this whole world of holistic medicine and and acupuncture and these ancient medicines that essentially healed me because there was no known cure for it. There was nothing. Yeah. That they so could they were just kind of like sent me home, like call us if you have trouble breathing. <laughs> and it was so scary to be like, so it's like so scary because talk about like just being alone, like here I am alone, 30, thinking that I'm like really he- healthy. And then I have this life threatening disease that people are dying from. I'm seeing it in the paper on the front page. People are dying from exactly what I have. But it was the best thing because I was like, wait a minute. There, I live in Boulder, Colorado. Like, I know there's another way, right? It's like you, like, you knew there was, there had to be another way. And I was willing to, you know, do what it took to find it because I knew that there was health in my life and I just had to go seek it. And, and that's what I did. And yeah, so those times, even though they might not show up in that moment as something that's going to be helpful, like if we can just kind of oh, stick with it, follow our hearts, get to the other side, we always get to the other side. Everything resolves to good. It's a universal law. Everything resolves to good. And so that took you to Flagstaff, which yeah. kind of like Boulder, if you're going to yeah. be landlocked, it's, it's not so spot. bad. It's cool. Yeah. It's at, yeah, 7, How did you get feet? there? I, so I transferred there. I had a buddy um, who told the coach who was like, hey, this kid's, you know who this kid, I was recruited by NAU, but they were my second choice. So I had to turn it down, which I should have gone there in the beginning. But anyway. No, you shouldn't have. I know, right? I had to learn. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I ended up in Flagstaff because my buddy told the coach that like it was worth investing in me and that I got, you know, I got a little bit of scholarship, 35% scholarship to go there. So I was like, okay, I'll just take out loans and, and bite the bullet. So 
it was totally worth the investment because my running career just took off. It just immediately when I got there, it was amazing. The culture of the group and Coach Hines, who's the head coach, who was the head coach there, he was just so relaxed. And when I was at OSU, it was just like felt like I was in the military the whole time, just being like ordered to do certain things. And that's not the environment you want to be in when you're uh, when you're an athlete, and you don't want that stress. Um, and you're so impressionable you're so at that age. Yeah, I, like, yeah, there's I'm, so much you know, that nineteen. Yeah, I'm nineteen. Yeah, like the stories of what you believe about yourself are being molded pretty significantly For during sure. that time. Yeah. So to be kind of ordered around, that can be a little yeah. rough. But yeah, I mean, this kind of calm, wise old coach. Yeah. And, yeah. and Flagstaff is like the running mecca. I mean, all the pros are up there. You got like Shalane Flanagan. I'm going on runs with Shalane Flanagan. I got Ryan Hall going to like my indoor track meet and then wants to go run after Cam Levin's is it running the same race? And then we go cool down together. Like we got everyone from American record holders, to Olympians up there. Um, and it's just, it's so cool. They have like the bagel run every Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday. They have like everyone in town gets together and runs this like 10 mile easy jog. Right. And, uh, everyone shows up all the pros, anyone from Joe Schmo to like Ryan Hall goes and does it. And it's such a cool community. It's similar to Boulder. I think it's a little bit smaller. Yeah. Um, I just loved it up there. I can't wait to go back this this year and do a training camp with there, up with uh, the triathlon squad with my group, and uh, and just relive it. <laughs> and so you know Tommy Rivers that he yeah. was there, right? Tommy yeah. Rivers is one of the guys that actually got me into triathlon. That told me about kind of how ITU works. He was like doing Ironman and he was a really good age grouper. I didn't know that he was. So we met him when, so do you know the Iron Cowboy? Yeah. So he did the Iron Cowboy with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we met him. In Rhode Island. When when James was in Rhode Island doing his 50, 50, 50. And Tommy just came in for that day. Tommy had flown in and was running the marathon. So we were all running. And anyway, that's how we met him. That's such a small world. Yeah. There's so many people that know him. Yeah, we were close. We would swim every night together. I didn't know he was a pool. triathlete. I he guess was a triathlete before he started doing ultras. and pretty killer runner. He was like, I feel like he pioneered like ultra running. He mm-hmm. was one of the main guys. He was, he had the ultra sponsor. He was on the van and Tommy got me really stoked in triathlon and told me about USA Triathlon and the funding they were giving to athletes. And I was like, okay, maybe I can get paid to do this. Because they're looking for runners, good runners and, and sw- swimmers. They're like they were at the or time cyclists. they were looking for runners okay. that could swim a certain time, and they just like were like, "Can you get on a bike and ride a bike?" Yeah, because the bike is very coachable. The bike is yes and to a point. no, yeah, to a point. To a point, yeah. I don't but, want to discount it because I, yeah. I know people are like, "You can get in the pack," and you still have to get in the pack and hang on. Like the bike is the hardest, <laughs> and I yeah, the bike yeah, is no the breeze. hardest, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, I'm a good cyclist. Like I, I will admit that. And I'm confident in my cycling. I don't have a swim background. I started swimming three years ago. That's when I first really got a swim coach. And I get to the bike still, and it's unbelievable. At the top level, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I want to talk about that. But you're swimming. So even though you only started three years ago, you had like this kind of mental toughness and durability from your open water experience, which... I feel like coming in with that and getting onto the black line 
you know, a lot of people and maybe not, maybe not at your level, maybe at your level, but so many people are so afraid of the swim and you didn't have that. So it was like, okay, just like get me in there and I'll get the work done. Right. Right? And and a lot of that stuff has got to be monotonous at the, at, at, the level of an entry level swimmer because yeah. you need to just start doing the work right right it's not the fun frilly like <laughs> at least from my experience from what i've read and what i've seen it's like you got to get into the, you got to get into the pool a lot yeah a lot and i swam a lot in the last three and a half years and i took maybe a week off in the last three and a half years it has been very consistent and when i came in i was i mean it was really hard to to swim hundreds on like a two minute send off like short course yards. I mean, I was slow. Dude, we could have trained together. Yeah, we could have been in the same lane. For sure. <laughs> For a little while. <laughs> For sure. Um, I was slow. You might have but, been on my feet, actually. I, <laughs> I was slow for a triathlete, Not you know, um, for a professional triathlete. And I got to the squad. I, I reached out to Paulo and he started coaching me in college for the swim. And he said, okay, you're a fast runner. See if you can you know, do these, uh, these swims, get through them. And I did a, came down, did a camp. And that was like the real eye opening experience when I showed up and he had me do like a warm up and told me to get out of the pool. Cause I wasn't swimming properly. And we had to go over completely just redefining my stroke. I mean, I was like the feeder at the bottom of the pool sinking. We had to do so much from like body position to strength Everything in between. I mean, I was swimming like 40K a week, six days a week, and still running 30 miles a week, and then putting in like 200-mile bike weeks all the last three and a half years. What? This is so great. Like, the perspective. So when you talk about the 40, you're swimming 40K. 40K, six days a week. And it's not something that... um, some average Joe out there should start doing because I want to put this in perspective. Yeah, no, totally. So, Please, none well, of our or, athletes. Or should he? <laughs> or should I be running 40K? No. But, but, but explain like, okay, so you're, you've got that first week and you do 40K and then the second week and the fatigue is setting in and then you hit probably a, a time where you're just like, I can't take it anymore. But then you probably start hitting your stride just a little bit and you mm-hmm. kind of get surpassed. Now it's like 40K every week and now you're like, wow, okay, this is what it's like. Yeah, but there was probably a little lull in there, or it could have been earlier, where you just had some doubt or some. There was a lot of doubt. A lot of doubt. The first, the first camp when I came here, I didn't know if I was gonna finish the camp. For it was a two week camp, and I didn't even know if I could make it through the each swim. I was throwing, when I came in, the longest swim I'd done is like fifteen hundred yards, and then I came in and we did three thousand yards the first day and i was just maxed out and then we got on the bike somehow it was so eye-opening i didn't know if i could do it i sat down with paulo and we just talked about like is it worth it and he's just like hey we'll see how you do at the end of the camp and i progressed so much in two weeks just doing like his sort of double pool buoy band focusing on using the lats pushing as much water as you can back keeping your head down and having your feet float up. That was like the first thing we worked on. And that made, I made such a big jump. I was cutting off like five seconds of 50 in two weeks. Just doing, just doing 50s. Did you have paddles? We just did 50s. We do paddles. Paddle work. So strength, um, okay. A lot of strength. We did the Vasa trainer, which yep. was huge. But I think uh, the biggest thing was in the development of my swim was trying not to tackle too many 
aspects of my swim. So it wasn't like, hey, we need to we need to fix your body position, your stroke rate, your catch, your kick, like all these different things that maybe swim coaches might point out. Oh, we need to fix. And then you start thinking about that when you're swimming, and there's too much going on, right? The biggest thing was one thing at a time. We're gonna do it a hundred thousand strokes of that one tip that I gave you. Then we're gonna move on to the next thing. That's that's the road to mastery right there. And like what you said was so cute. It was like you just did fifties. Fifties. I did fifties for maybe <laughs> for six months with the double pool buoy on my ankles. Fifties. Fifties. Yeah. This- Until I can <laughs> swim a fifty perfectly. This reminds me of um, I went to a, a team trigger point camp and Chris. Chris uh, Lee. Do you remember Chris Lee? He's the guy in the Gatorade Ironman who he was like collapsing as he was finishing Ironman. He came and talked and he, he was under Brett Sutton. And when Brett Sutton saw him swimming, he's like, you're not swimming with the group. You're going to go over there into your, your own lane and you're going to swim 25s. And all he did was swim 25s. And he did like 25s for like weeks. Just, just honing, honing in that, in that skill of like getting from one side of the pool to the other. Don't worry about the other stuff. And, and I think, or, or at least in, in my opinion, I feel like triathlon swimming and freestyle pool swimming are, are very different. I've been working with Tower 26, yeah. Jerry Rodriguez, and yeah. he's a big advocate of triathlon swimming. Mm-hmm. Before that, I've been working with just pool swimming. Like it feels yeah. like, okay, I can get my, but there's a difference. Totally. And, and what you guys concentrate on, and I think uh, Eric... Uh, tapped into a little bit is like you've got to go so hard in those first few meters yeah to get into that that pack so being a top level swimmer you you need to get into that front group or second group yeah so you need the swimming it's not like you can discount the swimming no so all this work that you're doing focusing on one thing at a time this is what three years ago this is 2015 2015 yeah so almost three years ago what does your swim look like now? Like what, yeah. what can you say? Yeah, I, I got to post now? a video um, because I, a lot of people want me to do this. Actually, I have a video of me like three and a half years ago swimming and it's terrible. And now to, now I did a set last week. I did 10 by 100 long course on 130 and I averaged 109, 110. Long course. Long so course. we're talking 100 meters. Yeah. Oh, so that's an improvement. So that's a, that's an improvement <laughs> from like barely hitting the two minute send off yards, right? In three years, we can no longer train together. No, so now you know before, we do swim in the same pool though, but we can't be training. Before together. I was I was swimming, I was getting lapped. Now I'm swimming with like Summer Cook, who's one of the top, who is the top She's swimmer in ITU. Mm-hmm. So I made a huge jump, and I owe it all to my coach. I mean. A lot of it was me, but my coach was relentless, and so was I. And we approached it every day, just hitting it. But it's so key not to, like, take on too much. You know, pe- people say, like, oh, the swim, you know, my my stroke rate and, you know, my catch and my kick. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. And how whoa. am I going to get there? Like, just, ha- that race in, like, six months, how am I going to get there? Yeah, and there then that's all going. Like, and then doubts coming in and all this stuff. It's like, whoa. Like, when you look at any kind of... Uh, like martial arts, you know, like we're talking with, we were talking about John Joseph and mm-hmm. we did an interview with his girlfriend, Erica, and she's like, badass, double black belt, could, 
you guys would be a good, I don't know, man. She might take you down. Probably. <laughs> she did some self-defense <laughs> techniques on me that did not feel so good. But anyway, um, she's talking about katas and how katas are, you know, they're moving meditation and it's people come into karate like, yeah, I want to be a black belt. Well, to get to be a black belt, you got to like stand facing the wall hour after hour after hour after hour, night after night after night, doing the same very simple sequence. Yeah. That's all you do. And until you perfect that, and don't be asking when, you, when you've perfected it, they will let you know, and then you can move on. Okay? And, and it's even like when I work with meditation students and I give them you know, something to work on, like a breath to work on or a mantra to work on, and they'll come to me and say, well, I'm good with that. I want something else. And it's like, mm-hmm. mm, totally no, you're not ready for something else. Like it's master that without any expectation. Like you do those 50s until you yeah. are told that you can do something else. 100. Yeah, 100. Yeah. So what, how did that feel when you got to go, when you graduated? I mean, it was hard. It, you know, you did 50s <laughs> for six months with, with uh, two buoys wrapped around my ankle. So oh, I didn't, so use, they're not even I didn't even use my legs for six months. I mean, I was running a ton. But at the time in college, I, mean, I wasn't with the group when I was swimming, and I was just wrapped two pool buoys around my leg. When I took it off, my leg stayed up because my head was down for so long, and it just like corrected it. That's so, so cool. I, I mean, I guess the best advice I could give people, like in terms of like how to, that's what I'm thinking right now mm-hmm. is like people that are listening that you know are curious about my story is like when I go to the pool and I see a lot of age groupers that are swimming or training for triathlon is the number one thing that I would start with is body position and just making sure you're on top of the water, that your head's down and that your feet aren't sinking. Cause that's how you're going to move through the water the fastest. And I see so many feet sinking. Yeah. Right. So it's just, if you can perfect that, then you're ready to go on to the next step. And, and when you master that, then we'll talk then, you know, (laughs) send me an email or I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, that's how, the first step. How is the how is the breathing affected? Because I, I I would think the feet go down because people are coming up for a breath, like they're lifting their head. The feet go down. So yeah. did your breathing change at all, or were you? Do you remember that? Like, yeah, the head position maybe. Like, because you guys have to look. You guys have to sight for the buoys. So you're you're swimming. You gotta take a. Breath. We don't sight very much. You don't sight very much. Yeah. So I mean, when we're when we're swimming in the pool, you don't. I don't sight at all. But when you're racing. I mean, I sight probably like in the beginning, the first 200, I maybe sight once. It's just all out, just like looking to the right and looking at everyone next to me, trying yeah, to still, get out. Yeah, okay. And then I'll sight when I'm out like 200 out and, and see where I'm at and then evaluate. So, and then I get into a rhythm where I'm like maybe every every 10 strokes, every 20 strokes, um, not much of it, but yeah, it's important to reposition your head because you can get used to sighting too much and then your head wants to kind of creep up yeah. and your feet want to sink. Right. Should we jump Should we jump into like this? Because I, I want to talk about this, like the getting into like what that's like when you're on, when you're on the, the, the what, are they, what are they called? The pontoon. Yeah, the pontoon. The pontoon. The pontoon. Oh, why yeah, couldn't I remember that? You select your spot, you're, you're yeah, there. Yeah, so we talked to Erica. Yeah. Did you listen to our podcast with Erica? Yeah, I listened to some of it. Yeah. Maybe not the pontoon part. It, we were talking about that, like, and I want to get your take on it. When you're standing on that pontoon and you've got, like, the music is going dun, and, dun. like, yeah. you know it's, like, going to be freaking on. It's on. It is 
about to get on big time. Yeah. What are those? What are what are those moments for you? Yeah, um, when I get on the pontoon, first of all, they played the song. It's called Stress. The song is called Stress by Justice, and I used to listen to Justice in high school. Still do. Um, big fan of them. It's like a DJ band. And the song brings a lot of stress to you at the moment. And you get so amped, but a little frightened. Mm. You know, you got to keep it under control. Um, and I go in and out. I go in and out of like, oh my God, I'm, I'm about to die. Because I'm overly like excited and scared. And my adrenaline is way through the roof. And then I'm like, chill. Okay, I'm chill. Everything's good. So I go through this emo- like battle my emotions and adrenaline and it's almost like going to war it's like you know you're gonna get hit like throughout the race a lot around each movie you're gonna get you're either gonna do the beating or you're gonna get the beating and most of the time it's both so you're kind of going to war it's almost like a fight and it's it's gnarly i've been held last year i got held under at yokohama and that was the worst hopefully that's the worst that ever happens to me and I remember I got held under for 15 seconds, which is, I, I was That's like going thing. out and I was like in the middle of the pack to the first buoy. And I was like, I knew I was in a good position because I looked around and I was like next to Mola and a couple other good guys. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in a good position. And I get dunked and I'm shot out way out the back, like a 10 meter gap behind the last guy. And I look up and, I'm, and I was just so, it just rung my bell. I was so freaked out and came up and was just like, I got to go. But at the same time, I was like, I thought I was going to die in those 15 seconds. It was like the same as getting uh, a two-wave hold down surfing. Just total ragdoll, except your heart rate is is 180. Yeah, it's already through the roof because yeah. you're going hard and now you're holding your... Trying to come up and, and using your your arms and grabbing people just to get air. And it's like a survival instinct. And there's just like a platform of people yes, above you. Totally. Kicking. Like like a bunch of strong guys like, you know, my age just going at it. There's no rules. I mean, there is, but it's a free-for-all. It's totally a free-for-all. So how did you recover? I came up and I was just like, <gasps> like I took this big breath oh and then it just went through my head that I'm in Japan and I need to go because this race is really important and just try to get going. And I hopped on feet and I was 19th and that was my second WTS race. And you were top American. I was top American, yeah. With the fifth fastest run. Fourth. Fourth fastest Fourth run. or fifth? Yeah, right I, thought, I thought it was fourth. You were up there. Yeah. So, I, t- I take pride in that so, one. <laughs> no, this is great. This is, that's, this, but, this is the very essence of it. Like, it doesn't matter what happens to you in the beginning. It does not set or determine how you're going to finish in the end. That's why, that's why Jess is asking, like, what's, like how did you recover? Because you've got to go. Like, yeah. you've got to keep going. There's, there's no pre-programmed... Like, if you finish this in the swim, you're going to get this on the bike no. run. It's like anything can happen on anything. that day. Mm-hmm. So... I'm getting chills. So you took that big breath and, and you're like in Japan, you're like, I got to go. Is there any, is it just go time or is there anything in the back of your mind? It was doubt. Say, it was doubt. Okay. There's a lot of doubt. There's, in my mind, I was like, it, it's over, but I'm going to still just like, it's not over till it's over. Right. 
so I'm kind of, again, it's that battle with, with emotion and I'm like, it's over. And then I see people ahead and I'm cu- catching up and I'm like, no, it's not over. And then we get on the pontoon to jump back in for the second lap. And that's when I knew I just really needed to hit full gas. And I barely missed the pack out of T1. I was in the third pack and we rode up with, and I caught a bunch of guys on my way with a, with a, the third pack. We didn't ride into the second pack but I only came off like a minute and a half down, minute 45, and then ran my way into 19th. And it was a rainy day. It was a it, it was pouring. challenging conditions. Yeah. yeah. Eric went down. The Brown Johnny Brownlee went down. And right. His, was that when the chain snapped on? Um, yeah, I think so. Henning, Henning. No, no, no. It was a different race? Yeah. Okay. So with the conditions, with all these challenges, with like getting into the pack, like you run your way yeah. so far. I'm just jamming, man. I get off the bike. I feel good. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go throw down a big run split and see where it gets me. And it's funny. Like I start passing more people. The first 5k was, I was alone and then started getting a lot of people that last 5k. And when I hit the blue carpet, I was like, I definitely passed like 35 people. I think I'm in the top 20. And I'm coming down the blue carpet, like catching more people. And I'm like, oh, and my coach is like, I think you got 19th. And I was like, okay, I got paid today. Like, at least I didn't go away empty handed. That's, and that is a great story because you just, you just kept going, right? You didn't let that pretty traumatic event mm-hmm. hold you back from yeah. like showing the world what you can do on a Mm -hmm. crappy weather day after, you know, being pushed literally out of the swim and not getting, catching that pack that you wanted to Mm -hmm. catch. And then just getting off the bike and being like, and and having the inner strength to say, you know what? I actually feel good. Yeah. You know, like not letting all of that weigh so much on you that you just gave up. Yeah. So important to just keep moving in the moment. And that's what I love about like the intensity of how you guys race. It requires you to be, and we were talking to um, Taylor about this. Like it requires you to be present. You have to be present. You have to be there. Nothing else exists. I don't think about any, it's, it's so pure, like nothing else in the world exists when you're racing. And I don't think there's anywhere, even when I'm training, you, you can't get that. When I'm training all out, I'm thinking about like what I'm eating later. And when I, like, it's really hard to be in the moment during training all the time. But when you're racing from the start to the finish, it's like the only thing that matters. And your life could end at any point in that race, and you wouldn't even think about it. You wouldn't even think about like what's coming after this race or where's the finish. You're like just, reacting to every little thing. Yeah. So how insane is the bike? To the bike's insane. The-, <laughs> the bike is just like the first five minutes of the bike after redlining the swim. So you redline, I'm redlining the swim, come out of the water, and then I'm just like eyes in the back of the head, like just trying to go and catch everyone I can on the bike. And it's just if those who know what you know power it's like 500 watts for five minutes and you're you don't even think i don't even think about 40k there's no pacing yourself in these races it's just you got to go now 
until you get the pack. When you get the pack, you can, you can relax a little more, but you have to react to every situation tactically. And so I just want to uh, switch gears because I think I just, and I don't want to consume it on racing, but Hamburg, the relay was a pretty um, phenomenal race you had this year. I think you were second out of the water. You were the anchor leg for the U.S. team. Yeah. And I think you were second out of the water. Yeah, I got caught. Mm -hmm. I think in front of you. But then you passed him and you were in the lead. He crashed. Or he crashed. Yeah. He went down. Me and him had a breakaway. And I think... This is on the bike. I think I would have won if like pretty well like how would have ran away with a good lead if like uh, the canadian guy didn't fall well you were hammering on that bike like yeah you could see it on your face how hard you were pushing and those guys were coming the 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 pack behind you the three or four guys behind you were were they were working together yeah so that was a pretty all-out effort i mean that's a sprint distance it's less than a sprint right yeah it's like 20 minutes yeah so yeah, the day before I was 18th and I didn't have a great run. It was like the first time I got in the main pack in a WTS and I had, I got 18th, which was the best, still the best WTS I've got. Um, and, and then the next day I got picked to race that and it was my first mixed team relay. So you ever. had no idea. You didn't know you were going to race? No, they kind of picked based on the result. And I was like <laughs> the top American in the day before I was the top American. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I want to race the world championships and our team is, you know, badass. Like, let's do this. Yeah, because you had Ben, you had Zephyrus and Casper. Yeah, Yeah, that's a sweet quad So I was like, I'll anchor this. And it came down to a sprint and it was epic. It was so unreal. Like, nothing compares to any race than, like, Hamburg. Because there's the energy is just insane. It's such a cool venue. Yeah. Like the bridge going into the darkness and the people kicking their, the their people, feet in the water. Like what you were swimming. Like, and right just by. launching yourself off the pontoon. Into yeah. The, you into had a the good water. dive in too. Like yeah. you had a pretty sleek, smooth dive in. That was the first time like really ever diving in like that fast. Like we were rolling down the ramp and then you got to fly into the water and like hold your streamline. And I think mine came undone like a little early and I was like, oh, I kind of blew it on TV. Like it, I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, that looked terrible. And then I went back. I was like, it's not as bad. No, as it, looks, it looks good. But Hamburg, I mean, no, the, the people in Germany are like insane. They're just like so into triathlon, so passionate. Everyone in that town came out and like just they got into it. They get so into it. And the celebration with like the beer mug and just throwing it on yourself and the attention <laughs> we received from that was just insane. I think it puts us in a really good position um, heading into the Olympics. Yeah, and, uh, mixed relay in the Olympics. Know, that, try to try to get a medal. Is that something you're personally, I know you don't have control over it, right, per se, yeah. like who is in it yet, but you, you, there's things you can, you know, your performance yeah. will obviously have an effect on it. Is that something you're pursuing you want to be on that team yeah i mean my dream is to be anchoring the tokyo olympics in the relay and to just outkick someone all right let's do that and win i mean that's like i i that's all i think about like when i'm training that's good that's just so powerful to to really because that that belief yeah because that is that sort of opportunity is is definitely possible you know with a Especially after Hamburg, like being in that position and being like, whoa, this is 
really is going to be in the Olympics. Like this could be life changing. This could be an opportunity of a lifetime. And uh, we have a long ways to go. Like in the present, I, I got a workout to do tomorrow morning. It's going to be really hard. That's like one thing I'm focused on right now. It's finishing tomorrow's workout. It's not double peak, is it? No, it's not double peak. Um, and I want to be really good at ITU. I want to be good at triathlon. I want to do Ironman. I want to do it all. And I want to be really good at triathlon. But uh, putting a lot of pressure on one race, I think sometimes can be uh, too much. Because if you don't live up to your expectations or your dreams, it can be it can be hard. You, some, sometimes you get injured or... Sometimes things don't work. So that's always in the back of my mind. I mean, I can dream, but um, the post-Olympic depression and, you know, the letdown of not even qualifying for the Olympics is so, uh, I think, is is really hard on people. And I've seen Eric deal with it. I've seen Joe Malloy deal with it. Both ends of the spectrum. Eric not make it, and he was so close to making it, and how he dealt with that, and it was really hard on him. And then to see Joe go to the Olympics... And to see Joe, how he uh, moved forward after going to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Both of them really struggled. And um, maybe they don't think so. Maybe they'll criticize me. But they're like my two closest friends in triathlon. So that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, it's it's so important to hold... To hold, so people ask me this all the time. Like, okay, I'm supposed to live in the present moment. So does that mean I can't have goals? Like that means I can't have a, a like, I can't want to qualify for Kona or I can't want to win my age group or no, absolutely. You can desire all of those things and you can visualize them. But what happens is, is we start attaching, we start attaching like emotions to them, like really hooking on these emotions. Mm-hmm. Like it's gotta happen. And there's a difference between like the, it's got to happen to the like embodying the joy of crossing, you know, the finish line in Rio or being that total kick-ass anchor leg in the, in the mixed relay and embodying that to further your vision and to, to manifest really right. it happening. But it's the attachment that causes that suffering and that post-event um, depression and all of that, that it doesn't, it's the expectations, as we like to say, as our, our, our yoga teacher always says, like they ruin the future. Like expectations That's can just awesome. ruin the future. So being in the moment, mm-hmm. being right here right now, you know, and, and knowing that you have a hard workout tomorrow. So you're going to eat a good meal tonight and you're going to get as best sleep as you can. And you, you, that's what it is. But you can still hold that vision for like, don't ever give up on that. And there's something about you that comes through to me that I just love is that you're very matter of fact that you're a damn good athlete. You're a good runner. You're a good biker. You're a good swimmer. Like you know that about yourself, but it does not come across to me like egotistical and because you know you're not an expert at it like there's still work to be done Mm -hmm. but where you are and the work that you've put in like you can confidently sit here and not I can tell you right now not every athlete can has has been able to articulate it the way that you articulate it in a way that's like it's just matter of fact you know it great you're worthy of Tokyo you know that and so it's just doing the work every single day, picking up those next breadcrumbs and, and keeping the vision alive and keeping that dream alive and going for it, but being so right here right now, which your sport is so good at teaching you because there's nowhere else you can be when you're 
redlining that bike, trying to make that pack or hang on to the wheel or, you know, pass people on the blue carpet to, you know, get paid a little bit more that day. Yeah. And you got to be right there. Yeah. And it all started, this whole learning process for me started when I first joined the triathlon squad, the group in, in San Diego, uh, straight out of college. I, I didn't know anything about triathlon. I mean, I read like Chris McCormick's book and watched videos, but that only does so much. So when I came in, all I wanted to do was just learn. And I didn't go into it thinking I know everything, you know, like I just asked so many questions to every, to Eric, to Joe, to Manny Huerta, like all these guys were living with me at the time. And I just was like trying to be as humble as possible and like soaked in everything. Like, what is it like being on the pontoon at a WTS? What is it like? Question after question. I just soaked in like 20 years between these three guys, 20 years of information I got in a year. And I, I still look back at all, all the, the times they answered me. And I think back, I'm like, this is what Manny said. This is what Manny would do. This is what Joe would, Joe would do this, this way. Because all those guys had, all those guys either went to the Olympics or won Alcatraz or have successful careers. And I never just kind of expected that like I was going to be the best. It was always like, how do I pull the information from others so that I can become as good as they are? Yeah, that's the that's that beginner's mindset. Yeah, and never, mind, you never want to be an expert. You always want to be a beginner. Because an expert stops learning. So that beginner's mindset, it requires vulnerability. It requires you to be like, I don't know, but I'd like to know. Right. And that's huge. That's like that's humility. And because of it, you've learned so much, you've grown so much. And um, oh man, I can't wait to see you racing this year. Uh, anything else on triathlon? Cause I know what I want to move into next. Yeah. I think we've, we've covered triathlon. Yeah. I feel like it's we a, could talk. It's so exciting. I, I, I just love the, I love the vibe that comes from like triathletes. Like you guys are just so passionate. How much, I guess we're triathletes too. We are triathletes. But I just love <laughs> we're passionate the, too. the passion <laughs> that comes from it because you, it's, it's such, it's so different for everybody. It's so different. Like there's a lot of people who would have in that swim experience just sort of stopped. Like wave their hand. Yeah, like, wave their hand. Need, just come need, get me. I need to, I need to go in now. I'm right? done. Uh, I can't catch my breath, but. But there's even more people who are going to listen to this and hear, hear what you had to say. And that's going to ignite something in them. That's going to maybe push them through whatever that dunking is on their next sprint triathlon or half Ironman or Ironman. Like there's, there's something that happens when triathletes hear other triathletes per persevere mm -hmm. and get through something. And it just, it, it, it clicks with some people. And I just love that process. I just love like the energy that we all have for this sport. Yeah. Well, and I know that you're going to continue to dominate because, <laughs> uh, you're plant-based. <laughs> Tell us about how did you switch over to that and how are you feeling? I mean, I feel great. I think I'm training really well. Um, but I switched over about eight months ago. I made the switch. Not like, it wasn't like I dove into it too. And I think that's like the biggest thing is people have recommended like, if you're going to go into this plant powered, plant based, you know, food, uh, life, lifestyle or diet, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
don't just dive into it. Don't just change everything in one day. Ease into it. And so I had a buddy who's plant-based and he's trying to become, uh, go to culinary school and he's just knows, he's read all the books, he's super educated and he was just dropping knowledge on me. And he's like, dude, you'd train so much better if you like started eating plants instead of eating like chicken and steak all the time. And I was like, yeah, I do eat a lot of steak. I was eating like steak every other day. Like, you know, red meat, there's a ton of iron. Why not? Um, and then, but that's so awesome. Like you had that resource cause I'm sure he was educating you about oh, that. He like was heme iron and non-heme iron. Right? And, yeah. And like, where do, where do you get your protein? Obviously like the first question that everyone asks. Yeah. Um, we all had those questions. We all had right? those questions at some point. Yeah. And I just kept asking questions like I did when I first started triathlon. Like I want to know more about this because if there's any way to improve performance, when it comes to eating, like, I want to know all the, like, secret ingredients, you know? Um, so I eased into it, <clears throat> started taking out meat. That was the first thing to go. Uh, so I was still eating cheese and dairy. And uh, and then went into, and then stopped eating dairy and then was eating eggs. And now I don't eat eggs, dairy, or meat. Um, and then... Oh, hey, guy. <laughs> Sorry, Clark. the dog's right here. <laughs> yeah, um, it, people are very familiar with Clark. <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah, so made the transition and, yeah, just started learning different recipes. I think the biggest impact I had was reading Thrive. And that's like second to the Bible. You know, it's like next to me all the time. That's a great um, book. We've got that book too. Yeah, and... Thrive is just like so easy to read and it's, it just explains like as an athlete, how can you like maximize your performance? How can you recover better? And how do I get this whole foods diet of eating a ton of veggies, getting the right carbohydrates, getting the right micronutrients and macronutrients. Um, and it's just, the, the book's awesome. There's amazing recipes. So then we started, I started buying more books. I got you know, I just read Meat, Meat is for Pussies, uh, which was awesome. What do you think? There's some hardcore knowledge in that. Yeah, it's it's intense. Um, He's awesome. Yeah, and yeah, I just noticed that I was feeling a lot better um, when I would read it, and then I'd eat these meals and replace them with meals I was eating in the past. I started to know, notice that I was like, I had more energy, which they always talk about. You have more energy. Um what else? Just how's your recovery? The recovery has been good. I think, yeah, I've been, I've been like working out really well this year and it's weird. I don't know. It's hard to say if like it's me progressing. I think it has to do with my diet because like you guys were saying earlier, there's a lot of inflammation with red meat and dairy that happens in your body. But I think just like eating a lot of fruit, doing a lot of smoothies and just maximizing all those micronutrients to just get everything, everything going, getting the, you know, taking an iron supplement, um, just like being creative about like cooking, uh, and just basically like educating myself. It's, it's been a process and I don't, I'm not one to really promote like, you know, being plant-based, going on social media, promoting it. 
because I'm still educating myself. It's been eight months. I don't feel like I'm an expert. You know, I know, I know you guys are at the point you just came out with a book. But we're not experts. We never yeah, want to but- be experts. <laughs> but yeah, we're at a point now where I'm like, this this stuff needs to be shared because right? these, these hearty meals are fueling two people training for Ironman that don't have a lot of time to, to make dinner. I don't have three hours to make dinner. I've got 20 minutes, like prepped plate. Yep. So, and most of those recipes are like, all right, what do we have in the house? Turmeric, always, boom. You know, um, brown rice, beans, whatever, tempeh, spinach, like, and just, that's how those recipes were created. Mm-hmm. was like, what do we have in the house? And so having those staples. And, and I think the more that you do it, and you might even be doing it now, like you open up your fridge and you're like, oh, Swiss chard, whatever, tomatoes, like you see a whole bunch of meals there. You know, you just throw it together. Yeah, I think meal prepping is like the key for me. If I make a ton of pasta, brown rice pasta with sweet potatoes, a bunch of veggies, a big salad, and then I put it in Ziploc bags, I can just throw it in the fridge and then eat it for lunch and dinner the next night. It's perfect. Yeah. You don't need, we, I don't know when this like happened where we have to eat like all this multi, like a lot of ingredient meals and they have to be so, um, elaborate and it's like beans, rice or tortilla. Salsa. Yeah. Salsa. Like get the, like (laughs) avocado. There you go. That's, I mean, we'll do that. We'll be like, all right. Yeah. Yeah, Like literally what you just said is like, Extremely cheap. Extremely cheap. Especially when you live in Southern California, the avocados, oh my God, they've been 48 cents at Sprouts. Right. So I want to ask that, like people will say, oh, well, I can't, it's too expensive to eat plant-based. It's, you know, um, it's too difficult. What do you have to say to that? Okay. So I eat a lot and I eat a lot more than the average human being. Like, and you guys eat a lot. You guys work out a ton. So, you know, I'm working out 26 hours a week. Um, some days I'm burning up to, you know, five, 6,000 calories. That's a lot of food to, you know, start eating. Uh, but I go, I eat a lot of carbohydrates and that's cheap. Like buying brown rice pasta is not expensive. At Trader Joe's, it's like $1.99 for brown rice pasta. You know, uh, brown rice is cheap. Black beans are a dollar. Like fruit is not expensive. Frozen fruit is not expensive. Um, it's it's not expensive to to shop vegan. But I think um, I mean my bill, no matter what, whether I'm eating vegan or not, it's going to be expensive, more expensive than a normal person. But I'm pretty basic in terms of like what I'm buying. It's it, like you said, it's like you know uh, rice, bean, black beans, salsa, avocado. It's those simple recipes that you can prepare in 20 minutes. And you're getting everything. You're getting your carbohydrates. Yeah. You're getting like you're getting your fats. You're getting you're getting all those you're getting the the fruits and the vegetables in that, you know, yeah. with the salsa. Like you're getting everything you need there. And some nights like well on Wednesdays it's the best. We go to the farmers market. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes it's just like a huge batch of like sautéed spinach and throw on some roasted cauliflower. Boom. Like that's the two that's ingredient it. meal. Yeah. It's yeah. so easy. Two but it's ingredients. it's so good. It's just so good. It's, it's so just good. simple. It's so good. A little curry, a little turmeric. What do you take with you like on long rides? So four or five hour rides. Like what, what 
sort of foods do you take? Are they whole foods or? I do like a cliff bar. Uh, I start out with two cliff bars, but if I'm riding like five hours, that's, that's on my long ride, two mm-hmm. cliff bars. Um, I do like GQ six, uh, it's electrolyte mix. So that's what I put in my bottles, uh, which is like all natural, uh, based out of orange County. Um, and then I'll do a lot of times I'll stop and I'll get smoothies. I'll get like a banana strawberry with almond milk during the ride from like Starbucks. They have like banana, strawberry, almond milk smoothie. I did that last Sunday, slammed it at four hours, got to five hours, totally bonked and had to have my girlfriend pick me up at Costco (laughs) because I, because I didn't have any nooch. I didn't have any nutrients. But you learn, right? Like I, you live and learn. Like, right. I, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect when it comes to like uh, packing like the right amount of calories on a ride. Uh, probably a little more aware from last weekend, going five and a half hours and just hitting a huge wall. Oh, that sucks. But uh, thankfully, like you got to come get me. Yeah, I got. Pay, I got picked up. I got picked up, and I went to Chipotle and got. Mm. Uh, Brown rice, black beans, lettuce, guac, mild salsa, extra lettuce. Good to go. So yeah. good. Chipotle is such you a good You were just like, talking about just talking about, yeah. That's just, like, yeah. That's the one. I'll go there like once a month and I'll kind of, it's like my splurge. Yeah. You know? Yeah, ours too. Turn yeah. right out. You were saying like you take an iron supplement, like you bonked on your ride. I I, I've felt this as somebody who is, you know, a plant-based athlete. I felt almost this pressure to be like, oh, I can't tell anyone if I'm iron deficient or I can't like, oh, if, which actually haven't, haven't been sick for many, many years. But even at the beginning, maybe like if I got a cold at the beginning of this years ago, I would be like, oh, I don't want anyone to know that I have a cold because I feel like they're going to say it's my diet and everything. But it's it's not it's not a recipe for perfection. Like you're still a human being, mm-hmm. but I think that it sets you up for a, the healthiest. I think the healthiest body that you can have. And and I think one of the biggest things is the inflammation factor. As athletes, we are creating so much inflammation in our body. This is how we have to get stronger. We have to we do these little we work out so hard, we get these little micro tears in our muscles and then that Mm -hmm. helps us build more muscle and there's inflammation in that healing process. If we're now eating food that's going to contribute to that, it's not helpful. You know, it's, it's too much inflammation in the body and illness and disease is rooted in inflammation. Chronic disease is rooted in inflammation. So I think it sets you up for health yeah. But it doesn't mean that it's always going to be perfect. Like the first year we did our blood work, it wasn't that great because we weren't that great at being being vegan yet. But, you know, seven years down the line, got a cookbook out because I was like, whoa, we're actually doing really good at this. And we make damn good pizzas. And we love pizza. We eat pizza like a couple times a week. And we make these amazing pizzas. And it's like they're hearty and they're filling and... You know, it's like time to share that. So it's, you get better at it, but don't ex- expect perfection. And I also think it takes your body like some time to kind mm-hmm. of change and adapt. And although it's, it's responds pretty quickly, like you're already feeling energy, you're going to continue, I believe, 
to feel better and better and better. Cause that's been our experience. And that's been the experience of a lot of people that I've talked to. And of course these bigger names like Rich Roll and, and Scott Jurek and Brendan Brazier, like they all say like over time, you just kind of continue to feel better. Cause I think your body is in a, a better state to preserve itself. That makes sense. Yeah. It's not, it's not being so broken down on a daily basis. It's actually like maintaining this platform of preservation, then you are able to build more health as opposed to constantly trying to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. I agree. <laughs> that's how I feel. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all comes back to how you feel. Like when all said and done, how do you feel? How do you feel? And what, and what does your blood work look like? And if it doesn't come back, like, you know, optimal, well then what do you need to do? Cause sometimes you need to tweak it. And that's why mm -hmm. I love blood work. Cause it gives you an insight to what's going on inside. And I, th I think an important piece too, is take ownership of your health. Like do the research. Like yeah. you're like your friend is a, is a chef. Is, like grab all the information you can get, like make yourself knowledgeable, be curious about the foods. Like be curious about eating three meals a day. Like right? I said, you have to eat like yeah. on a prescribed schedule. Like there's times we won't eat all morning until we're hungry. Like who says all this? So it's just, it's question everything and take ownership of your health. There's, n I don't think there's anything more important or anything. It's extremely important, but I don't think a lot of people have woken up. I think a lot of people rely on what they may perceive as the, the ideal diet or it's just what they've always done and they're not curious about what is on the other side. So I think uh, if you're listening, just be curious, be curious about the foods that you have yeah, and, and, and explore. And do they make you feel good? You know, do they make you feel good? And, you know, not as you're eating them, because I used to love steak. Like I used to love bacon. I used to love bacon. Now, oh God, I couldn't imagine putting bacon in my body ever again. Even like some vegan things that have like a bacon flavor. Like I cannot really? even go anywhere near that kind of stuff. Well, 10 minutes after you eat it, 20 minutes after you eat it, three hours See, after you eat it. See, that's where it gets stuff. bad. Yeah, like how do you... It's, I think the taste is like, of course, like bacon tastes good. I mean, it's like oh, your body craves it. that fat. And then immediately like... If I ate bacon before I went out and did like a tempo run, you're not going to feel good. And if anyone does feel good, you're, a, you know, an outlier. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's just, well, and it's so much for your body to, to have to digest flesh. It's so much energy for your body to have to break that down as opposed yeah. to like, think about a piece mm -hmm. of spinach. That thing's just going to like stick to your intestines and just right? like fade away. Instead of eating pig butt. Yeah. <laughs> no, we could go off the rails here, <laughs> but there's a really good book and you're more than welcome to, to, to borrow it. It's called the world peace diet. It can be intense, but Will Tuttle uh, wrote it. And one of the things which is so interesting and, I'm 99.9% .9 sure it's in this book, is he talks about when we ingest the flesh of a dead animal, it's putrefying flesh, right? So it's dying flesh. Our bodies don't know that that flesh is not ours. So it's like, oh my God, there's a part of me that's dying. So this whole like survival mechanism starts to happen. 
And there's a lot of energy that is taken up in your body because your body believes that it's dying. And so it goes into this major protection mode until eventually days, you know, that it takes for this stuff to pass through your body and that leaves. And then it starts to kind of settle back again. But if you keep putting in like dying flesh into your body, which is really what it is, your body doesn't know that that's not your flesh. It just knows that there's dead tissue in your body and it will react to that as it does because it's brilliant. It believes that there's necrotic tissue, which is dying tissue that is yours and it's not. It's just what you've chosen to pop in there. And so I've done it. I did it for years. But it's a really interesting book. It's a really, really interesting book. I just have a final question is advice for people who are curious about this. So before I ask this final question, the question I have for you, like, I know you had a lot of knowledge from your friend, but were there times where you were like, oh, God, can I do this at the level that I compete at? Like, was there some, like, were you scared at all? Yeah, I I was pretty scared. I think just like when I started transitioning, you get a lot of people who aren't plant-based. I mean, most people, most of my friends, most of my family um, are not, were not plant-based at the time. And so they just couldn't believe it. And they were just being super negative. And that's, I think that's what happens when you're an athlete is just, if, if you're to go plant-based, like there, there's going to be a lot of negative feedback. It's funny because nobody cares about your diet until you decide to just eat plants. And then yeah. all of a sudden it's but like, I, th- I think the V word, it's the V word, man. It's, it's like, as soon as you use the V word, such a people, scary word. People think you're in some cult and people mm-hmm. think like, they automatically think, oh, he's just trying to be different or he's trying to like, you know, fit into this like category or, you know, and be, I don't know. I don't know why people think that way. It's well, the, it's, the stereotype yeah, too of and like it's, what a vegan stands for. Exactly. And it's, it's oh. an alert to them on a subconscious level that that maybe the way, this is how I, I believe that some people take it, that the way that, that they're eating is wrong. And so it's like a defensive mechanism. I don't know, but my, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say eating in food is so personal. Like it's yeah, people get like really attack, emotional it's about an it. attack on their yeah. identity. Mm-hmm. When it has nothing to do with them. Yeah, it's almost it's, like religion. Like, yeah, and yes, people take very it much that so. serious. Yeah. Food is fuel, right? It's fueling your workouts. It's fueling your day. It's not personal right yeah like you said like if you can you want to you want to like be the best like yeah. you're going to the tokyo olympics like you want I, and you're not going to go there because you, you want to just go like you want to go because you want a medal around your neck at the yeah. end of the day right like so you want to be the best that you can be and so anything that's going to help you get there right like i want to keep reaching higher levels of health so what's going to get me there and this seems to be getting me there really really well so to get back to that final question that I had is, so people who are considering making this switch, athletes, but they've got that fear. Yeah. What's like a first step or, or how, how can you speak to that to give just, them some I, advice? I think you just take a little bit of time. I mean, we all have time to just pick up a book instead of picking up our phone before you go to bed, which actually... I recommend for every athlete. Uh, I've been working on it this last couple of weeks. Instead of picking up your phone the last hour before bed, pick up a book and like just having a hard copy before you sleep is so important because I think there's like even studies that show like if you have a screen, you don't sleep well. 
educate yourself, read a book. Um, get, I'm sure you guys can recommend certain books. Yeah, we'll put like some, thrive and yeah, we'll um, put some in the show notes. Yeah, I think s- some good books. For just read, educate yourself a little bit. I don't even think you need to read like more than one or two books, and and just get to know why certain foods can help you. Um, most of these books have recipes, so you can learn how to make these simple uh, athlete meals. And I'm, most of them, most of the books I have read answered all my questions. Where am I going to get my protein? How am I going to um, eat enough calories for burning six thousand calories? If I'm burning six thousand calories a day, and uh, since I've educated myself and been promoting this lifestyle, um, most of my friends are are plant based, are on their way to being hundred percent plant based. My dad's starting to do like more smoothies and he's exercising and it's because I'm dropping knowledge, I'm dropping facts and people are starting to listen. And I think as soon as I kind of backed off on being like, oh, did you like, look at this fine print. It says right here, if you eat meat, like your cholesterol is going to go through the roof and you're going to like have clogged arteries and die and get a heart attack. And like, as soon as I like pulled back the reins and I was like, okay, I'm just going to like lead by example and just like make good meals, feed people some vegan, like plant-based, super good meals. And that's what happened. I just made really good meals for people, like some sausage, brown rice, pasta, super simple. And they were just blown away. Like, oh, this tastes like meat, you know, like tofurkey. Who would have thought like we're eating freaking you know, like sandwiches. And I thought this was uh, turkey. No, it's soy turkey. It's so true. This, the food speaks for itself and we get so passionate, right? But like meat shaming is just not my jam. It does not work. No. In my experience, it does not work. And plus, who am I to be coming at somebody with like this kind of violent, you know, yeah. approach? That so doesn't work. Make them beautiful food share with them, live the example. And my entire family now is totally vegan. Right on. And they pretty much all meditate now. Like, it's crazy. And I was, I never forced anything on them. I just kept doing the work myself. I think that's so important. All right. Awesome. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank that you. That was a great convo, me. man. Awesome. I feel great. Love yeah. it. Yeah. So we'll see you in Dubai. What's going to be your first race? Uh, first race is Australia. Australia, okay. Yeah, so it's Malulaba and then New Zealand. Cool. Yeah, going down under. Awesome. Well, we're going to put all the links in the show notes of how to cool. get connected with you. And then also, everybody needs to get the triathlon live that BJ, yeah, be- best, BJ lives so for. Best 20 bucks, subscription. whole year. Best coverage ever. Like, best coverage, helicopter I, coverage. Like <laughs> so good. Common. I watch them over and over yeah. and over. Like you yeah. can see the expressions on your faces as yeah. you're on the bike. Hi, Clark. Hi, Doug. All right. Awesome. Here, Thank you so much. Okay. Um, yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. This guy gets me so pumped up. 
I'm excited for this season of ITU Racing. Join us with Triathlon Live for the best coverage in the sport. Check out the show notes. We've got links to connect with Matt, book recommendations, and so much more. If you're curious about incorporating more plants into your diet, a great way to start and to be able to track your progress is seeing what's inside of you already. Or as our friends at Inside Tracker say, take a selfie from the inside. So use Yogi Triathlete at checkout at insidetracker.com and save. And just know that YT athletes enjoy an even deeper savings on this and other great deals from our partners and sponsors. We've got a great extra with Matt going up on Patreon this week. So check that out. And thank you to our bud Ross, who just upped his pledge this week. We see you, dude. And we are sending you lots of love and gratitude for giving the YTP life. Stay open and receptive and know that these qualities require vulnerability and vulnerability requires strength and all the strength you need is waiting for you in the present moment. This is true power, you guys, committing to a life of learning so that we may all continue to raise our vibes, up-level our performance, and live the example for others. This is the recipe for becoming the person you want to be in the world that you dream to see.